Blog Talk Radio. Probably a third of the way through the season. Uh, um, hey, Chris, got I got a good uh, one for Taz you. Ready? Taylor? Uh, okay. Okay, Taz Taylor. Yes, sir. All right. Here we go. We're going to have next Sunday, main event, triple threat match, no holds barred. Ready for this one? In the left corner, you're going to have the Mellow Farmer out of Florida, Ross Chastane. And in the other corner, you have from Rick Ware Racing, the pool man himself that comes out in the summertime, running pool. And then in the other corner, you have the Dirt Princess High Limit promoter, Kyle freaking Teletubby La La Larson. Triple threat la, match la, 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 la. Triple threat match next next Sunday at Kansas. You don't want to miss out. You, It's going to be a no-hold bar. And there, you'll see some slobber knocking, uh, tire rubbing nonsense. Again, just tune oh, in to Kansas Ross. next Sunday night. I like the Jim Ross reference there, uh, Ted Taylor. For sure. I believe we've got uh, Miss Lee Reed, Mama Bear, in the house. Uh, we've got, I'm here. Uh, we've also got a, let's see, a 937 number. Is that, uh, who is that? 8675309. Oh! <laughs> Look at look at who decided to pop in on us here on this uh, uh, wonderful Tuesday evening. You're, you're, Mr. CJ Sports, here you go. But tonight I'm gonna go as Group A points leader. That's what I'm gonna go by tonight. Ah uh, 
yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, <laughs> I had a hunch. I had a hunch uh, Penske was going to run good there because Penske never runs good there. And Ryan Blaney had a hell of a run. What was Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney? They must have had opposite setups because uh, Logano was. I, I literally had to find him somewhere in the rundown. Uh, throughout the whole race. Just a bad pick from me. But uh, congratulations on taking that lead. I'll have it back at the end of this week, so I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going in these mile-and-a-half speedways, and I know who to tag and who to who to, who to take. Uh, uh, but how about Mr. CJ Sports? Let me ask you a question while I've got you here. Have you heard about Denny Hamlin's bracket racing? Because if you've not listened to that, man, I tell you what, we may – and right now, if you go to, I think, Dirty Mo Media or something, you can – download the bracket and actually play with all these other people, uh, the Denny Hamlin idea has taken storm. What are your thoughts on that real quick while we got you here? I have not seen it other than you guys joking about it or talking about it in the group chats. I have not had the time um, with me doing all the, the video stuff behind the scenes and everything going on. Um, which I will be doing some breaking up some video for your guys' show to, uh, from tonight's show um, to break up segments like I did the 110 Nation Sports Show, which is on Wednesday nights. Um, so uh, looking forward to doing that. But I will be in the studio hanging out. I definitely want to at least make it until the whole Ross Chastain conversation gets going. Uh, that's the main reason I tune in tonight, and I will catch the rest of it. i got to go in early, so i got to get up to in the morning, so I won't make it long. Um, but I plan on at least making it until then and catch the rest of the show in the morning like I always do. Well, right now, you cannot tell the story of NASCAR without saying the name Ross Chastain in some form or fashion. <laughs> he has made his name relevant in almost every single race uh, this season. And, and, you know, the the career that this guy's gotten, like, you know, he doesn't even belong here, I don't believe. But we'll discuss that uh, and a whole lot more later on. Uh, Mama Bear, come on, come on up to the mic, Miss Lee. How you doing hey, tonight? I'm here. I'm I'm doing here. okay. I didn't catch the races this weekend because of work. So, right, right, right. Yeah, they are definitely. Yeah. Well, we've got stats to read and all through the first uh, segment here. Uh, we'll we'll have the uh, the Ross Chastain. Oops, I did it again. Uh, the uh, you know the I don't give a tour uh is obviously still in full effect again what's great about ross is he steps out he's like i'm sorry you know like i didn't mean to do it you know we knew we we knew that we knew that was coming uh but it's you know whether or not it's rubbing you the wrong way or whether or not you're a fan of it that's the that's the storylines that we need week in week out to have a show like this uh so we you know i'm a big fan of it and i think uh i think my colleagues uh, here are a big fan of it as well. Uh, the Xfinity news, you know, uh, the the race was, uh, you know, it was kind of so-so on Saturday. Uh, it, uh, I'm surprised we got it in more than anything, of course. Ryan Truex kind of made it a snoozer, and I just kind of had this weird feeling. Like, it was, you know, I woke up Saturday and I was like, man, but, you know, this Ryan Truitt guy, he's uh, been around for a while, never got him a win, but now he's in that 19. And, you know, this is their home track. And, man, oh, man, I think I think it could be a wild weekend. Of course, uh, you know, you're predicting a storyline, and you don't know whether or not it's going to come true or not. 
and then and then to start the broadcast on Sunday of all things to start the broadcast, Steve Wallace is there, and Mike Joy leans over to Rusty and says, "Hey, Rusty, uh, wasn't it a couple of brothers back in 1994?" That one here at this Dover race, and sure enough, it was Mike Wallace got his very first win at Dover, and then Rusty goes out the next day, and he wins the race at Dover. Now I'm thinking, whoa, is that a coincidence? Like, are we supposed to believe in coincidences? I, I, I'm a story writer. I, I, I make things work together. Um, nothing is a coincidence. As an investigator, the first thing that you know, nothing is a coincidence. I did, you know, he's coming off pit road. Reagan Smith giving the old, well, maybe Martin Truex Jr. will break the streak here today. Sure did seem like a whole lot of people were on board for Martin Truex and Ryan Truex to, you know, uh, be the victor, victors uh, this past weekend. Conspiracy or not, I mean, it was in the clouds, I guess, uh, for these two brothers, one who's, you know, 0 for 800. <laughs> and the other, I think he's an Oprah radiator or something like that. Uh, and of course, the other that uh, on a 54, 56 race uh, losing streak. Other than he did win uh, at the beginning of the year at the auto at the uh, uh, the Coliseum race. So, uh, but that was not a points paying race. Just kind of weird and strange. What are you guys thoughts? I mean, coincidence, but you know, almost uh, 29 years later. Uh, two brothers show up one weekend and they absolutely dominate it. And the fact that that's kind of the truth's own track. Uh, what are your thoughts, Miss Lee? Coincidence? She had to hang up and call back in. She, uh, I'm, apparently... I'm back. I'm back in. Oh, okay. There we go. Um, yeah, this it, it's kind of interesting, and it, it has to make has to make you wonder. But you know, Truex. Martin had quite a commanding lead towards the end. I did see the very or replays of the very end of the race, and he did have a pretty commanding lead there. So, you know, I don't know necessarily that the fix was in, but it, I think it's a kind of neat thing for them, anyhow. Right. He won at the very first track that he ever won at. Uh, that's kind of a. Uh, uh, you know, a story that's been written before. Maybe, maybe what it is, Miss Lee, is we've just written these storylines for so many years uh, that it's bound to happen again, right? Um, you know, coincidence that uh, Ryan Turks gets his very first win, and then the next day his brother goes out and wins. I mean, you know, that's what NASCAR's about, right? Uh, it's definitely not the first time brothers uh, race in uh, a series. Uh, we've got brother bloodlines, the Bodines. Um, uh, uh, you know, the Burtons, um, the Allisons, uh, um, you know, and the list goes on of the brothers that have raced uh, in NASCAR. So, big coincidence. I'm not sure I could play the coincidence card. Does history repeat itself? Most certainly. Um, has this, has this storyline been written before? Yes, it has. Yeah, was it any less uh, of a big deal then? I don't know. I mean, it's a pretty big deal for the Truex family. Look at look at what this does for Martin Truex Jr. A guy who was fourth in points last year at the end of the regular season and missed the playoffs. Like that's you know that's a big whew, for Martin Truex Jr. And we don't even know the future of Martin Truex Jr. as of right now. So. 
Um, I believe he may have a contract for next year. I've not been told for certain that that is uh, true or not. Uh, You know, um, I think that uh, one of the big horses that I would have seen Martin Tooks going to may have their driver. More on that later. Uh, We call that a tease. Uh, But, um, you know, this was significant for Truex's career because it shows, like Harvick did last year when he won back-to-back, it shows that he's still got it. It gives him that confidence that he's able to win. And I, I just don't think that his, him and his crew chiefs have been paired well together. Um, Smalls is, uh, you know, he's pretty vocal. We don't get much of a personality out of Martin Truex Jr., but I don't know if we've ever had a crew chief who was so um, – you know, tell-worthy, I guess, on the radio. Have you guys heard the communication between him and his crew chief? Has anybody kind of filled in on Absolutely. that situation? They had a, yeah, it's, been a, it's been an they ongoing a, thing. Right, and, and they had a whole section on Race Hub tonight just on the radio communications between uh, James and, and Martin. And it's like they they were talking about the differing or the differences in their personalities and Jamie Mack was like, you know, if that would have been me and my crew chief and he talked to me that way, I would have gone radio silent on him for the next hour just to make him stew on it. But then again, that's Jamie Mack. So. Yeah. You know, I mean, never really had it, but I think Bodo, Bobo Mannion or something, whatever his name was, I think that was his, it's kind of key to success with uh, a certain crew chief that he had. You know, I don't know. Does oil and water mix? Uh, obviously, we're here, right? We're talking. So, yeah, there is a way. Uh, we're made of oil and water. So, uh, um, can you find success from that? Uh, I'm not sure. I think if you get the job done, obviously, they were complimentary there towards the end. We've seen the, the Tony Urie Jr. and the Dale Jr. We've heard that on the radio. We've heard Tony Gibson. And Kurt Busch, back in the day, remember those two parents, right? Tony Gibson, the hard-ass, the real old-school crew chief, paired with the smart mouth and loose lips of Kurt Busch. And we were like, oh, my God, that's never going to work. And somehow or another, Tony Gibson becomes kind of like this disciplinary to Kurt Busch. Like, Kurt, Kurt grew more of a person ever that when he had a, a crew chief that was like, dude, I run this. You know, you you drive this race car. Your job is to tell me what I need to do to make this race car go faster, not sitting here belittling my crew. And uh, I think that that line was and, – and look, uh, uh, Kurt Busch's career up into Stuart Haas racing was kind of a, kind of a hoorah type thing. He had been fired from Penske. He had, uh, he had been uh, driving for James Finch, of all people. He went over to Furniture Row and uh, got a – you know, found this, uh, this ego – uh, this uh, alter ego, the outlaw, and, you know, we started seeing Kurt Busch into what he is today. Obviously not who we were or who we thought he was then. So, um, you know, to bring it back to topic, um, you know, Kurt, uh, Kurt's put, Kurt grew with a crew chief that took control of the situation. Whether or not Martin's ever had that kind of crew chief, I know that him and Cole Perms, were a great fit together. Cole uh, was uh, probably not as demanding on the radio, was more of a listener. Um, so, you know, this is, you know, 
Did Martin Truex Jr. have success before Cole Pern? Absolutely not. So it's probably a tough handle for him uh, with this new crew chief and trying to get that success and that imprint that he was able to make so well with Cole Pern. So that, there, there could be a lot of different dynamics in the uh, communication factor between James Moss and Martin Truex Jr. Taz Taylor, uh, come on in on this subject and uh, tell me what you think about it. Uh, a whole bit on Race Hub about this uh, chatter amongst the crew chief and the driver. What do you stand on that, Taz? Is this, is this a healthy relationship? Can it be beneficial? Uh, are we looking at troops running down and maybe uh, knocking it off a few and becoming a favorite for the championship? Just a few years ago, he was in our he was in our big three. Now Truex has been like, okay, when's he going to retire? Come on, Taz, talk to me. So I feel like, in a sense, this could be help. This could be healthy uh, work relationship because the need because I think in order for Truex to get back to where he was, as you mentioned, Chris, a few years ago, to be in the big three, um, you've got to have uh, a good relationship with you and your crew chief. And if you don't work out the differences amongst the two of you, then you're not going to have the season that you should be having. Like last year, Truex, fourth in points, but missed the playoffs. Was Did he – fall short so many times for that race win last year because of maybe the differences they had um, between between Small and Truex. And maybe this time they finally decided to just settle it out because Truex knows his potential. And obviously James Small, um, we know he's got potential of some sorts. And I think the two of them, for, and this is probably where they got bit in the dust last year is the two of them kind of saw each other as, well, how can we outdo the other instead of working out your differences and make the team stronger and have more success out of it? And I think that right. finally – and I think this here just shows that um, while you can have your differences if you work them out and – whatnot then you're then you can come out stronger and look look what happened Truex is a winner now because of a James Small call right right yeah you have to trust your crew uh that's a very important uh aspect in this um whether or not you know you have James Smalls who we didn't know much about before he replaced Cole Pern of course I think the thing that we know about him the most is he's Australian right he's not even a He's not an American crew chief, uh, and which is very, you know, kind of unusual in the stock car racing world. Uh, but neither, Cole Pern was, I believe, Canadian or something, right? So, I mean, you know, just one was from the other side of the ocean. Um, but, of course, Martin Truex Jr., he's set with a crew chief who's not really proven himself, uh, kind of, I guess, earned the opportunity uh, to be there. James Smalls had to look at this like, well, I may only have Truex for two or three years. I've got to get the most potential out of this team. I've got to be the leader of this 19 team because I may have a different driver at the helm in a couple of years. And Martin Truex Jr., who, of course, worked for a family-run, family-owned operation at Furniture Row, uh, worked at DEI, 
work at Michael Walter Bray's thing. Do you see kind of the trend here, the laid-back type of atmospheres that he's been in? And, of course, the structure of JGR has kind of been protected around him, right, because he brought most of his crew over from Furniture Row. So there was still some relationship. Now, now Martin is probably feeling like a number on the wall at JGR, just as Carl Edwards felt, just as Matt Kenseth had felt, just as these other drivers, Bobby Labonte and whatnot, that were pushed out of the organization. Martin sees the writing on the wall, so he's, he's ambient. He's, he's, he's talking back to the crew chief because he's like, wait a minute, you're not going to bury me before I'm dead. Right? And so, you know, I want a certain control here. And as you said, Taz, and I think you as well, Miss Lee, there's been a kind of a, 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 an oil and vinegar, oil and water type of relationship between these two. But now they have a victory. Now they got the time to sit in that hall or just like Cold Trickle did with Harry High, and they have a chance to laugh about it. Does this put Martin Truex Jr. back on the hot list? Back on the contenders. Are we, should we focus on Martin Truex Jr.? Because uh, we can all say Christopher Bell's had the better season so far at the JGR camp. Uh, Miss Lee. Well, I just want to share this quote that I shared with, uh, with my boss at work. And that is that leader, leadership is not about being the best. Leadership is about making everyone else better. So when you have this clash of personalities, you have to wonder, are you, or is that person thinking about themselves or are they thinking about the team? And so you raise a good point there, Chris, about, you know, is James thinking about his future or is he thinking about, you know, this season and, and, you know, what he can do to help Martin. I don't know. Seth, what are your thoughts? Um, I, see, I, I see it as, I think, Truex is out here to prove a point. I mean, James Small is out to prove a point. And like you said, Chris, it's James Small is trying to, I think he's trying to push the potential of the of his team what including his driver while he's got him because who knows right. however long small will have Truex. He could have him until the end of this year and have a new driver next year. Truex could say, right. Well, I'll give it one more year and James Small will be like, All right, well back to the drawing board we go. And right. I feel like I feel like with Small and Truex, they both have this this like chip on their shoulder in the sense of Truex has a chip on the shoulder of, I feel like Truex has the chip on the shoulder in terms of he, um, with last year of how he performed with no wins, he knew he's got it. It's just, how do we put the pieces together from, from lap one to the final lap and get and be the winners when it's all said and done. James Small has a chip on his shoulder that he wants to put the best of the team, but does not want to, um, but doesn't want to settle in on just Truex because he knows in the back of his mind right. 
there's going to be another driver coming, but the question is when. Right. He has a 20-year career. And the, que- and the question, other question is, and the other question is, is it, you know, where is James going to be next year? You know, with Martin, mm-hmm. Martin's future uncertain, so is James. And right. even right. if Martin stays with JGR, who's to say that James is going to be his crew chief next year? Right. One thing that they can say, though, right, they got two more wins this year than they got last year. That's something to build on. You know, how long Trucks wants to go on this treadmill, we don't know. We don't know how, you know, Johnny Morris, I'm sure, will write another year's check. Uh, he's been loyal to to Trucks throughout his career. Um, but, you know, JGR may have a, another idea here. <laughs> um, uh Speaking of, let me say this real quick. Isn't it funny how Eric Jones wound up back at TRD? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. There is there is somebody out there looking after Eric Jones because it is by no coincidence that he's going back to TRD, and we'll get into that more later. But I just wanted that to say. Now, Taz, uh, we've got just a few minutes here. Uh, we, we've, we've taken a lot of time, of course. Uh, the Larson incident, uh, you know, uh, the 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 cars they were started through the metric system. Does anybody kind of know what that was about? Uh, race uh, qualifying was rained out, so they went to the metric system that put Kyle Busch on the pole, and we got to see some other drivers have to race their way <laughs> from the rear. Uh, Isn't that where they look at at uh, uh, team? Not only the the driver standings, but they also look at uh, team standings, I believe. So the metric system they use is kind of based off the previous race. Uh, So, like, um, where you finished, um, who had, like, where you ranked in terms of, like, fastest lap of the race or something like that. Uh, It's... I have to find it. I know Bob Packers has posted it once before, but I don't remember. It was similar to what we used during the COVID time, I guess. I would. I think I know now what. Uh, right. Yeah. What, what they were talking about. Just kind of a fancy word here. Okay. Let's get. Let's get right down to the nitty gritty, so we can go on to the uh, subject that I know everybody is chumming at the bit to get into. Um, uh, let's give the rundowns real quick. The top ten over in the Xfinity side. Uh, we'll get some notables, and then uh, I'll pull up the uh, the cup side there, Taz Taylor. Sending it to you, buddy. All right, let's see. Xfinity, Ryan Truex, stage one winner, and I do want to make a notable on this uh, for the two for at least the first stage. Um, the first two in stage one are JGR cars. Then the next two behind them were RCR cars. Then the next two behind them are Junior Motorsports. In stage two, Ryan Truex wins that one. And, of course, race winner Ryan Truex, followed by Josh Berry, Justin Allgaier, Austin Hill, John Hunter Niemicek, the top five, Sammy Smith, Cole Custer, Brandon Jones, Sam Mayer, Daniel Hemrick, the top ten. Cole Custer, I want to give a shout-out quick because he was the only Ford in the top ten at not only at race end, but in the two stages as well. 
Uh, Sheldon Creed, 11th. Chandler Smith, 13th. Um, let's see. Jeb Burton, who won last week at Talladega, finished 18th. Derek Krause, 20th. Riley Herbst, 21st. Uh, let's see. Brennan Poole, 24th. And he's sponsored by uh, Georgetown Speedway from Georgetown, Delaware, which is a dirt track that just joined the NASCAR Weekly Auto Parts or NASCAR Vans Auto Parts Weekly Series deal. Uh, Timmy Hill, 30th. Uh, Chad Chastain, I think that's a brother relation to Ross, 32nd. Yes. And Jeffrey Earnhardt, 37th. Oh, Earnhardt, man. I I wish he could get him another deal with uh, Joe Gibbs. He he showed a lot of talent, Dan. Just not enough money. Uh, to give him what he needs to be in a competitive ride. Uh, that's the Xfinity side. How many cautions? You got that in front of you? How many? Who was the stage winners? How many cautions? All right, you don't have that side. Look, I, I'll make sure I send uh, what to you uh, what I'm about to read to you. So over on the Cup Series side, you can find this information at uh, jski.com. Uh, NASCAR Cup Series race number 11, race results for the Worth 400 at the Dover Motor Speedway, one-mile concrete. Uh, total length, race length, 400 laps, 400 miles. Martin Truex Jr. reigned victory uh, at his home track, uh, breaking a 0-for-50-something streak. Um, <coughs> uh, second place was Ross Chastain. Of course, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of noise kicked up about uh, – this race weekend, as Ross has been in the news almost every weekend since the uh, since the inception of Trackhouse. Uh, William Byron finishes in the fourth spot. Ryan Blaney finished in the third spot. Sorry about that. Denny Hamlin, a top five. Christopher Bell, six. Tyler Reddick, seven. Brad Keselowski uh, gets an eighth place finish. Chris Busher, a ninth place finish. And Josh Berry in the 48 Allies Chevrolet Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, Clark, uh finishes with a top 10 finish. Bubba Wallace, Ty Gibbs, uh, that's 11th and 12th. Nope, 11th was Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace was 12th, and Ty Gibbs was 13th. Corey LaJoy, a solid finish, 14th. Ricky Stenhouse, 15th. Eric Jones, 16th. Ryan Priest, 17th. A.J. Allmendinger, 18th. Kevin Harvick, 19th. And Harrison Burton with a top 20. Uh, some of the notables in the back, of course, Kyle Larson got wrecked. Uh, Noah Gregson looks like shit. Uh, Austin Dillon, uh, I'm not sure where, where he missed it. Uh, Kyle Busch was real strong. Uh, in the early part, of course, <laughs> Joey Logano. My God, uh, the curse of my pig seems to be knocking or knocking out the door again after a torrential downpour last year. Uh, every racer that I picked uh wound up in a wreck or something. Would lead the race and 10 laps later wound up in, in a wreck. So hopefully I'll break that streak. Um, stage one was uh, won by William Byron. Stage two was won by Ross Chastain. Uh, of course, Martin Truex Jr. Uh, won it. There was seven caution flags for 46 laps. Uh, 19 lead changes amongst six drivers. Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, Brad Kozlowski, William Byron. Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, up, and uh, Ross Chastain, I believe, 
uh, with Martin Truex Jr. were the uh, leaders. And that leads us to the next race in Kansas. But uh, definitely a crazy weekend at the racetrack. And uh, we'll move right on into stat of the day. day. Miss Lee, I believe you you had a stat of the day, didn't you, Miss Lee? Yes, I do. So three of Martin Truex Jr.'s four Dover wins have come on Mondays. His first was back in his first was back in two thousand seven. And then it happened again in uh, 2019. And then, of course, this past Monday on the 1st of May. So I, I, I thought that was really interesting that, you know, how many I, – I, I did not dig into it enough to find out, but it was interesting that he would have that many wins on a delayed race. So I also just wanted to throw out Adam Stern's um, uh, stats for the uh, television viewership. He said Fox Sports right. 1 got a 0.63 rating and 1.067 million viewers for the Monday race. That's up from the Monday race there last year and 2019. Wow. On wow. top of that, NASCAR on top of that, NASCAR has now seen three straight weeks of year over year viewership increases in cup. And that comes right. with them being on cable, which I found interesting. Right. Huh. Well and the one thing about it, this was the only race this year at Dover and it's the Monster Mile. Um, you know, obviously, you know, this race has had a lot of good races. So, you know, it's kind of sad to see a racetrack that puts out good races, a small track. I mean, you know, we're talking about short track racing and we get, you know, we, we cancel a short track. I don't get it, man. We take away two short tracks when all we want is short tracks. You know, you, you, you take away Bristol with the dirt and then you got, uh, you know, Dover that lo- losing a race. It's, it's just a scratch in my head. But we've got plenty of road courses, guys. Thank goodness for those road course races. All right. Well, let's move on into hot topics. Hot topics. First on the grade. First on the board. Uh, oops, I did it again. Do I even <laughs> need to say his name? <laughs> Raw. Uh, what, what, uh, he got Ross. Uh, what are what are some other taglines I've seen here a few minutes ago, Taz? I think you had, Bump you had quite a few of them. Bump 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 <laughs> Brendan Poole thinks he needs his ass whooped. Yes, yes, yes. He did say that on national television. Uh, well, hey. You know, it's something else hey, when you say he needs his ass whooped instead of saying I'm going to whoop his ass. Yes, yes, yes. Jason. Did you That's not hear he the, the mute? Did 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 you not hear the uh, Ross Chastain's radio playing? I swear he was playing ludicrous while he was racing. I believe he was playing "Move, bitch, get out the way." <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I think that's what he well, that's what he plays in every race. And we definitely seen it at Talladega when he tried to go three wide uh, on the restart there. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Ross is the boss. And he don't mind junking up other people's race cars. What I can't believe is now, how, <laughs> how he gets away with it. My. My my question for y'all three, because I, I seen this post earlier today. I don't know if y'all saw it. I don't, I don't remember which group I saw it in. But the the, the uh, similarities to what Senior would have done in the day, which is really no different what he did to Brennan Poole, car lap down in the way. Um, what is the difference? Everybody adored, loved, thought the Intimidator was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And Ross Chastain pretty much did what the Intimidator would have done in our day in the 80s and 90s. And there's so many mixed reviews on it. I'll say first, it was it just so much feels more like Ernie Irvin than it did Dale, Dale Earnhardt. Dale Earnhardt did do some things kind of off the wall in the early part of his career, but it was after the black car, which is 87, I believe 88, when he really termed the terminology the, the, the intimidator. Um, Ross, when you really look at the stats, Ross, Ross did not have a proper grooming to where he is today. Ross really doesn't belong where he is today. And you think about what he's done. He took a niche motorsport scrub and damn near won a championship. He got over into the Xfinity Series with Chip Ganassi, who – really just didn't ever – he had some great drivers and couldn't ever steal the deal. Ross goes out there in the Xfinity car, wins, like, out of the door, right? And now now he's on this plateau with, with Trackhouse. You know, unbelievable career for a guy who was literally just a fill-in because Kyle Larson said a wordy nerd, and he needed a – you know, uh, uh, Chip Ganassi needed a, a cheap replacement. Of course, Matt Kenseth come in, of course, as well. So don't hold me out of that. But Ross really does not have the uh, credentials or the 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 background that we would think it takes to be a superstar in the sport. Jimmy Johnson did too, uh, you know. Um, but he is, and he's here. I don't think he. I don't think we can compare him to the Intimidator, though. I'm just. I'm just not. I don't think that he's. He's earned that repertoire yet. I do believe that he's the Ernie Irvin, and 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 they've tried many times to talk to Ross, but I I don't think Ross listens very good. Taz, <laughs> uh, you want to take on this? I mean, Jason's got a good question here. So, I feel like the difference between Chastain and the Intimidator. I feel like the Intimidator would have done this not so early in the race where Chastain did. I get the lap. There are two lap cars in his way, but Chastain literally it was like eighty something laps in, and we had a whole lot of more laps to go. I mean, I feel like he could have, you know, sacrificed a spot maybe, or just let it go for a bit. But uh, I just feel like he could have. He could have not made the move that he did, or maybe he really did not anticipate Brennan lifting early. I just don't know. But it's hard That's to That's what answer. I think happened, Taz. Taz, I, I, honestly, in all, in all seriousness, I believe what happened was Brennan Poole knew, wasn't confident in his car. He was up against Austin Dillon, 
He backed out of the gas and Ross Chastain with the hot, fast, hot rod that he had, the closing rate was just too fast. And it was, you know, like Denny Hamlin said, it was it was real similar to what he did to J.J. Yaley. I don't think these guys are purposely going out there and wrecking Rick Ware race cars. I don't, I, I don't believe that. And I don't think that Denny Hamlin had any beef with J.J. Yaley at the time. I think that the closing rate was just at the point. And you've got, you know, the back of the field markers that are, you know, don't have as much control of their cars. Miss Lee. Brad, Brad Keselowski had an interesting take on this today. And basically what he said was it boils down to the fact that Ross has a fast race car every week. Every week. And when you're as fast as he is, you, you need to stay out of his way. But when the time comes that his car isn't so fast, people are going to remember how he raced. And there will be payback coming. I'm glad he's he on the edge. I I'm think he's on the edge, that. and I don't see I don't see the retaliation. I really don't. Well, but Tag, bring it hold in. on. Now, I don't know if you guys caught the Denny Hamlin uh, clip I sent you guys from his podcast, but I watched his podcast earlier today. But Denny mentioned that Ross is a guy that um, that turned forget. That that will expect retaliation. Like he knows it's coming, because, yeah. um, and and he'll sit there. And when you retaliate, he he'll sit there and say, "Oh, I knew it was coming." Not and I deserve it. Make a comp- yep, he doesn't. He doesn't sit here and make excuses about it. He knows if he did right. something wrong, he knows it's going to come back. I think honestly, we're looking at a future superstar of the sport and this is this is how remember Kyle Bush remember all the all the wrecks and all the dings and all the bad driving that he did but we knew he was fast and he was in that Hendrick car we knew he was fast but we didn't find out who and, Kyle Bush really was until he went to, to the Joe Gibbs racing so I, I feel like Ross is that generational talent like we're seeing the beginning of a superstar who just doesn't quite have it all together yet. He's like you said, Lee. He's got a fast race car every weekend. You just got to stay the hell out of his way. Right. And and let's not forget that just last week we were talking about the lack of personality in racing. Right. And you know, Ross is becoming a personality. And people can argue against or for his aggressive racing style, but that's who he is, and and that's how he races. And be it right, be it wrong, agree or not, he's making a name, and he's becoming a personality, and he's generating a lot of talk. Obviously, we're talking about him all the time. So... And I, I have when one you more point. Water... I'm, 
I want to I want to throw one more thing in there real quick, and then we'll jump out of here. And I'm glad you brought up Kyle Busch because this was something I was thinking about. I don't know if it was last week or this week, when it, but it had to do with Ross Chastain. I think it was last week because you were talking about how there was some cheers um, at at the track when he won or whatever, um, or at least one of the races. And we're hearing a little bit more cheering than we used to for Kyle Busch. Do we think? Any of what Ross, Chain, Ross Chastain is doing is taking some of the attention or maybe some of the dislike from Kyle Busch and is going gearing towards him and maybe pulling that bad guy or hated hatred towards Kyle Busch and, and turning some of the fans. Well, yeah, and, and Kyle Busch is not. This point? Kyle Busch is not the only bad boy anymore. Yeah, but I can't remember. I can never remember hearing Kyle Busch get fan cheered on, except for me at the track. So to hear it at at a race, and I think we heard it twice now with both his wins. Um, you're you're starting to hear a little bit more cheers in the crowd when he wins races. Um, and so I wonder, I'm wondering if this Ross Chastain Chastain thing has anything to do with it. If it's pulling some of that hatred and gearing it towards Ross Chastain. And people are not hating Kyle Busch maybe as much. I'm not gonna say don't hate him no more, but maybe not as much, and um, and of kind of changing their feeling and, and their hatred is going in a different direction. Oh uh, yeah, let, let Ross Chastain get into it that, with Chase Elliott. <laughs> but how much? How much of that though is the team changed too, and people are now looking at Kyle Busch differently in that they're hoping that he can be a positive thing for the team versus, you know, him being a JGR driver and everyone loves to hate JGR because of their, you know, their winning history. So, you know, there's that to consider too. But I, I but I also do think that, that Ross has taken – a little bit of the heat off of him too. The only the, the only positive not, not going jail. Go ahead. I said the only positive thing we're going to see out of Kyle Busch when it comes to team change is him hoping a future for his son. I think that's the only thing that's going to change. I don't see him being this positive influence over other Kyle Busch, and I'm a Kyle Busch fan. Kyle Busch is Kyle Busch. We're going to get the same Kyle Busch regardless, other than lining up the future for his son to be able to race. I think that's the only thing that is going to change anything or anything that's going to alter his path on how he acts is making sure that there is an opportunity for his son outside of that I don't see Kyle Bush being a mentor, being anything for anybody else other than Kyle Bush. Kyle Bush is Kyle mm-hmm. Bush. Uh, don't get me wrong, he does a phenomenal job in having Kyle Bush Motorsports and what he has done for these young drivers and giving them opportunities and how many of these young uh, drivers have gotten an opportunity to go on to the Xfinity Series and Cup Series is phenomenal. Um, but that's all about his branding and him, not just out of the kindness of the heart or building uh, RCR or anything else. It's got to do with Kyle Bush and his family. Which, you know, at the end of the day, that's what everybody's out there for is about them and their family. They're not there, you know, to, you know, for everybody else. They're out there for themselves and their family taking care of their own. Um, But I'll let you go back, Chris. I will catch you guys later on um, and listen to you guys the rest of the way in the morning. Kyle Bush definitely relishes the fact of being being the villain. He loves being the villain. I don't think Ross Chastain. Uh, feels comfortable being the villain. 
I think that there will be – you're going to have Chase Elliott fans and you're going to have Ross Chastain fans. And if those two ever get together, that's where the true spew of hate will come from. You think about Ross Chastain and Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin's not very well liked. He's not everybody's favorite. I think – I'm surprised that the whole world didn't come unglued with Kyle Larson uh, being caught up in, in this incident with Ross Chastain. Had that been Chase Elliott, I believe we would have heard a lot more outcry. But there's just as many of us that are anti-Chase Elliott who would be pro-Ross Chastain. So it's kind of where Kyle Busch become the villain. And, and the one thing that Kyle Busch has working for him right now that he did not have a year ago is the fact of J- Joe Gibbs basically since the best race car driver in 30 years packing for his grandson, who yeah. may or may not have had the fastest Xfinity car in in, in the world, right? I mean, we, we got a guy who's 0 for 80-something, gets into a Joe Gibbs race car in the Xfinity Series, and now he's a winner. We watched Trevor Bain last year. It looked like he was, you know, got, got the crap in of a deal on well, because, you know, he, he never could do anything in the cup side other than win the Daytona 500. So, I mean, you know, you have to kind of weigh all the the uh, scenarios here. Yes, Ms. Lee. Save me. No, it, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it, uh, Coach Joe just wanted to get his grandson into one of his cars. And, you know, I think it was a surprise to everyone that he ended up in the 18. But then again, the 18 was the best or, well, you know, was the best team that he had. So, you know, he, again, family. Loyalty to RCR, right? There are so many Dale Earnhardt fans that don't watch the sport anymore since Dale died that are still RCR loyalists. And they are willing to trade in their hate and and dispassion for Kyle Busch for one reason. One reason only. Because Kyle F. and Busch can make RCR great again. The hot take of the night. I beat you to it, Taz Taylor. I have the hot take of the night. I know you're spewing. You're ready to give your hot take. But there it is. Boom. I don't know if you're going to be able to slam dunk it the way I slam dunk it. That's your hot take. As for Ross Chastain, he's fast, man. And we, and, and we need the storylines to keep on doing what you're doing, Ross Chastain. Taz. Oh, I like the – I mean – kind of spice things up you know I don't mind things like that I just to me I feel like I feel like Ross could have made that move and still created the drama if it was like later on in the race I just feel like 80 something laps when we have um, 200 300 however many freaking laps there was left left to go you know I feel like that move was a little like I said, it could have been pool lifting a little early, but I just feel like that that move there, you know, being that early in the race, 
wasn't entirely necessary. I feel like he could have either, you know, just just deal with the with Larson coming up behind you or whoever was behind you, just let them get by you and uh, settle it out later or let those two, you know, do what, do their own thing. You take your own line, that sort of deal. But I'm all, I'm all for, you know, little things like that. But I just, to me, I feel like it was made too early. Right. Well, uh, is there anything else that we need to add to this topic? Because we definitely have another hot topic that we've got to get to. Yeah, no, I was I was going to say it's time I to move on. It again. All right, well, this one I know is going to stir some heads. Uh, the name of this topic is extracurricular activity, better known as R&R. Um. So for the second time this season, a Hendrick Motorsports driver has gotten hurt doing something outside of racing a Hendrick Motorsports race car. Of course, Chase Elliott suffered a very uh, bad uh, fractured tibula uh, earlier in the season in Las Vegas. Uh, Was out of the race car for five to six weeks, I believe. Uh, Now Alex Bowman was in a sprint car accident and has suffered a fractured back. Extracurricular activities uh, has not always been a norm. There was a time uh, in the 90s and 2000s where I think that uh, racing outside of the NASCAR spectrum was frowned upon, but there were drivers who were allowed to participate full-time in truck series and in what we call the Xfinity Series now. So these guys had something to do with, with, uh, with uh, their craft, with, you know, creating their craft uh, in the, within the NASCAR ranks. Now they're not given that opportunity, and so they're out seeking uh, activities outside of NASCAR. Is this sustainable? Will we see a change in the future with drivers and their extracurricular activities. Ms. Lay, I'd like to open up with you. What do you feel about this topic? So, first of all, and this is something that I have not researched personally, I wonder how other racing series look at this, okay? You know, Formula One, Indy, whatever. But you cannot stop people from living their lives. Chase's accident was not racing-related. You cannot regulate people's personal lives. And, you know, so, so that goes to show you that stuff can happen outside of racing. So whether, you know, you can't okay. limit their personal lives, so therefore you can't restrict them from racing in other series. It's like taking uh, uh, a wide receiver. Let's, let's just say Antonio Brown, right? Everybody knows who Antonio Brown is. He's no longer in the NFL anymore. So let's say he was on an NFL team, all right? 
And then all of a sudden he decides in the middle of the season he's going to go fight UFC. Well, there's clauses in his contract that keep him from being able to do that. Ben Roethlisberger, he was told that he could not own a motorcycle because he was the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, there's obligations. There's millions of dollars on the line here. And, uh, you know, Kyle Larson come out this week and said that he feels safer in a sprint car than he does at Talladega races. My God. Somebody shut. You know what? I'm not going to say it because I, I could be accused of something if I said what I think I was almost about to say. Shut that little dude up. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Imagine NASCAR without Daytona. It ain't NASCAR. Okay? If the guy doesn't, I mean, Dale Earnhardt said something years ago. These they, they might as well, uh, what, ship, push, pour sugar on their, on their ankles so the, so the uh, ants can, whatever. I can't even remember what the hell Dale said. But he said something good and, and then basically called them candy asses. If they didn't want to go fast, they didn't need to be in NASCAR. Um. <laughs> But back to the extracurricular activities, Miss Lee, in so many sports, they are limited to what they can do. But the problem is NASCAR in itself, with the cutting of practice, with the lack of track time, uh, these guys have too much time on their hands, and they're not getting paid the money that, that you expect a NASCAR driver to make. Definitely not the money that was being made back in the 2000s when you had Jamie McMurray basically making fifteen twenty million dollars a year, right? I mean, you know, that guy won seven races, and he was making 20 a year. So um, definitely that is not that kind of money anymore in NASCAR. And, and you know, part of that falls back into, you know, uh, these guys are putting – they're putting all that sponsorship money and all that investment that a certain team has into jeopardy by racing sprint cars and, and, and uh, extracurricular activities. And, Miss Lee, would you like to further? Uh, yeah. You know what? If you're going to curtail my personal liberties like that, I'm not signing the contract. Period. I understand it Christopher. from a financial point, whatever, but no, I... I guess I wouldn't be a good NASCAR driver then because you ain't going to tell me how to live my life. JGR told Christopher Bell, no sprint cars. Taz Taylor, what do you feel about the subject? Well, you expect racers, they're going to be racers. They're going to go out and uh, if they want to go out and race, then they're going to have to go out and race. Now, in terms of limiting what they can and can't do, um, I don't know. I Personally, I feel like if you're going to limit a driver of what they can and can't do, I, I feel like you should limit them in terms of how much racing they do. Because as of right now, as you mentioned, Chris, there's no – there's like little to no practice. There's hardly much track time anymore nowadays. Um, why do you think Brad Keselowski's running SRX full time on Thursday nights? Because, and he said it himself, it was a golden opportunity for him to take because of the limited track time these guys now have. And he, and Brad feels like um, running these short tracks with SRX um, will kind of help 
uh, maybe develop his craft at the age he's at right now. Um, And I feel like, to me, I just feel like you, if you're going to limit to what they do, um, I wouldn't full, especially when it comes to a racer, you can't fully take away them running, uh, say like certain races. So like Christopher Bell, for instance, I feel like he could have, I feel like he could have ran the Chili Bowl, you know, um, I feel like he could run some like big sprint car races and and I say that because, you know, yeah, these big sprint car races have some of the names, but I feel like Christopher Bell would just add more to it, you know, because of the name. You're you're drawing fans. You're bringing um with Christopher Bell, he's got NASCAR fans that will now pay attention to the dirt racing or Christopher Bell may have dirt racing fans that he's bringing to the NASCAR world, you know? It's just marketing purposes, I feel like. And right. so unfortunately, I mean, Taz, without a union without a union, this could go above the owner's head. We've talked about this before. Let me throw this in here real quick, Taz, then I'll let you get back. We've said before, what if NASCAR limits these drivers because what you just said is what we've talked about before Christopher Bell goes and runs a series and he makes that series more popular off the curtails of NASCAR and NASCAR doesn't get any notoriety for it at what point in time does NASCAR itself protect its investment yeah well any one of us can walk outside tomorrow and get hit by a bus You're right, Miss Lee. I don't know why the awkward silence there. <laughs> it's true. It can happen. <laughs> it can but, very well happen. So it kind of furthers wanna... the point that, yes, that, that's why you want to keep uh, these drivers from being into these sprint cars and being in these late models and being at these other racetracks because you're helping other types of racing series make money. If NASCAR was smart, they would give these guys outlets to race within the NASCAR community. They would use these guys' names to sell tickets to their own racetracks, to their own sanctioned series, right? I mean, we, we watch the Will and Modified series, the late model series. All these things are, you know, at NASCAR-sanctioned racetracks and whatnot. NASCAR needs to protect their investment, and they should utilize those areas and those tracks as the limitations to where these drivers can go and race. And I promise you, car owners would feel a lot better because the first thing that a car owner doesn't want to do is tell a Tony Stewart that he can't go and race somewhere. Because you know what Tony Stewart's going to do? Tony Stewart's going to go build his own damn race team and race wherever the hell he wants to race. Because I'm sure that had a lot to do with Joe Gibbs racing as well, right? And the departure of Tony Stewart. So, that's what owners, car owners are fearful of, and that's why they're not stopping these race car drivers from being able to go into these other series. But NASCAR can't. How about that for a developing story, Ms. Lee? Absolutely. You know, they, 
they talk about wanting to develop drivers and, and bring drivers up and, and whatnot. And what better way? And, yeah, we all complain about the cup drivers and the truck series and, and the Xfinity series, but these other series so, right. Right. But these other even lower series where a lot of these drivers are coming from, yes, they could use the recognition and the notoriety. Right. Exactly. I promise and, you, you know, the Snowball Derby, the Snowball Derby sells extra tickets every year because of the names, because of the names exactly. of the drivers that are going to be there. Exactly. Would I have watched the Chili Bowl if there weren't NASCAR drivers in it? Probably not. But they got my attention. You know, same thing with Snowball Series. And, you know, so, yes, there is that possibility of NASCAR drivers being injured in other series extracurricular activities. But again, you cannot limit these people's personal life. Not I, when you're not I, keeping I, them fully fully ex, fully exploited. Like NASCAR is not exploiting to the fullest their drivers. And we've been watching it for years, the decline in their marketing. You know, it goes back to what Denny was saying on his podcast earlier. That Denny, Denny Hamlin commercial with Domino's, do you know how much Domino's invested into that commercial? With the pajamas, Denny, Denny in the pajamas commercial. Remember that commercial a couple of years ago? Yeah. I remember oh, the commercial. They invested no 70, $72 million is what they spent on that commercial. And it was the most played commercial of any commercial all year long. $72 million was invested into that commercial. And you know what? It did a hell of a record for, for Denny Hamlin, right? Where is that marketing in the drivers that they have now? So NASCAR needs to go back to the drawing board, and they need to figure out how to exploit these drivers to the fullest within their own series, within their own ranks, Keep them the hell out of the Xfinity series because that's a that's a growing ground for your next talent. Keep them out of the truck series because that's once again a growing ground for your talent. But for your ASA series or whatever it's called, the the late model series, that's where we should see, you know, a, a, a Kyle Larson show up on a Saturday night when, you know, when uh, after he gets done with practice. At some cup rates, he needs to fly in and, and, and take the whelms of a, of a race car. And that's where we need to see Kyle Larson so that it benefits NASCAR, not the racing community. I love it when Tony Stewart shows up to Hattiesburg Speedway. Mr. Parker makes bukus of money when Tony Stewart announces that he's going to go to Hattiesburg Speedway. And it does such a great thing for a track owner who struggles to pay the purse every week. Right. But in reality, isn't that what we need to make NASCAR stronger within its own series, within its own development? If we had these this star power, this stardom that could go up to uh, 
North Wilkesboro are. What what's the like uh what's some of the tracks that we've seen at SRX staff? Uh so you, you got see where I'm Stafford. going with this? You got staff yeah. So I wanna you mentioned Tony Stewart and we, you mentioned the whole NASCAR deal, right? And if you look if you listen to uh the Dale Junior Downball where he interviewed Tony Stewart, they talk about um the challenges Stewart had um, in terms of talking to NASCAR and trying to bring the current NASCAR stars like Brad Keselowski, Haley Deegan, for a couple uh, examples on this. Um, Stuart kind of, NASCAR saw SRX as competition, and Stuart's sitting here explaining to them, like, we're not trying to compete with you guys. We're, you know, we're trying to kind of work with you. Like, we're trying, like, you know, there was IROC. IROC raced. When you guys, when NASCAR and IROC worked together, IROC, you know, raced on the race weekends at the Cup Series or whoever, you know, the Cup Series was at that track. So, like, when the Cup Series was at Daytona, you know, the start of the season, IROC was there. When the Cup Series was in Richmond, IROC was there, you know. And Stewart's kind of, Stewart's trying to show NASCAR, like, you know, we're kind of trying to work with you guys in a sense of bringing drivers, you know, we're, we're kind of doing that same feel. And we're also trying to help develop the drive because of these limited uh, track times, you know, some of these drivers um, that could be slacking that little bit of track time or that need that little extra track time to kind of push them a little bit. It could benefit not only us, but it could benefit you guys and it could, it's going to benefit them. I mean, Haley Deegan's got a has plenty of years in her career, and I'm sure the lack of track time that she may have um, is kind of, might be killing her. And I feel like her running SRX could help her in that sense. Yes, she'll be running with uh, the stars of yesteryear um, and whatnot, but she could be learning many lessons from them. She could be learning lessons from Brad Keselowski, which is a a Ford team and Deegan's with Ford. So there could be a connection there in that, in that aspect there too. Right. And I'm just going to throw this out there. And I just want to throw this out there that I don't think NASCAR, NASCAR thinks they need to dominate but I don't think they're looking at how they can partner, like Taz said, these other series, these other models of racing, because ARCA racing since NASCAR took over has gone to crap. So I need, I, I, I think they need to look at as Taz said, exploiting their partnerships with these other series versus thinking to take them over and dominate them. Right. Well, this is we this know is that kind of where I, this is kind of where I feel like SRX and IROC kind of mirror each other. Look at IROC back in those days. You had yes, you had like four, five maybe six, I might be pushing it, of Cup Series stars, right, in the in the IROC field. But who else did you have in there? You had um, 
had a couple IndyCar drivers. You had a couple World of Outlaws drivers, you know. But along that mix, you had at least one driver from the Truck Series and one driver from the Xfinity Series or Bush Series, Nationwide Series, whatever you want to call it. Why were they there? They were champions of that series. Now, why were they there? Because it kind of helped them. It was it was also, you know, to help them develop their craft on the racetrack if they're trying to move up the ladder. Yes, they're champions, but at the same time, the Xfinity and Truck guys may be looking at trying to move up in the Cup Series, find connections to get to that top level. And... And, yeah, back then they had all sorts of track time and whatnot. This time around, we don't have that luxury. And drivers are trying to find ways to to make up for it. And, unfortunately, that extracurricular activity is what's doing it. There's, there's what, 10, 12 drivers in the NASCAR Series, Cup Series, that can win on a weekly basis, probably only five that can definitely win on a weekly basis at any racetrack. Um, You have a whole lot of racers who get to these upper levels of racing that have won in everything that they've ever raced in, and then they don't win anymore. Or then it becomes a struggle to win. And these guys are seeking that aspiration. They're seeking that that, – uh, that inside that that they can win, like it has to be a confidence killer, right? It's like a young kid who, you know, was raised up at the dirt track, won through all of the series. Finally, he gets it to ARCA. He's with Venturini Motorsports. He wins. Take Noah Gregson, the perfect example. Perfect example. Noah's won in everything he's ever raced in. Where's his confidence right now at Legacy Motorsports? Where is his confidence? I mean, the guy's literally been wrecked or something has broken almost every single race. I think the guy's like 35th right now in points. That's how bad that 42 car is. But Noah's won in everything he's ever raced. And you don't think Noah wants to go race in something he knows he can win in? Did it not change the career path of Dale Earnhardt Jr. when he stepped in his daddy's car at the Xfinity race? At, uh, at Daytona in the middle of his drought, he won that Daytona race in the number three Wrangler car. Did that not catapult his career back to where he found out who Dale Jr. was again? You know, guys, these guys need confidence builders, and that's why they're seeking these other forms of racing, these other styles of racing, so that they can continue to feel like they are winning. So NASCAR is failing them by not keeping them busy in their race car. Anything else before we go to the next topic? Because we got a couple more topics before we get the black flag ticket flag. No, let's move on. All right. I got All right, my Josh bold prediction. Berry. Ready for this one? Josh Berry Cup deal. What is the bold prediction that Taz Taylor has been sitting on? So, we talked about the possible limited activity and if that were to happen at Hendrick for whatever reason I feel like Bowman's going to get the boot why because he was injured last year of course of course any injuries are not to anyone's fault but I'm just saying to me I feel like Alex Bowman he was injured last year because of the concussion right 
injured this year because of the sprint car incident he was in. So I kind of feel like he's one of those, um, like in the NFL, you have like one of those players that are like injury prone, you know, that you're like, they got star power, but they're injury prone. So like, how much can we really invest to that? Well, I feel like Hendrick might be into that situation. And if Hendrick were to give Bowman the boot, that's where Josh Berry inserts himself in to that cup ride. Now, where does Bowman go? I see it as right now you have SHR and JGR uh, to go with. Now, in terms of limiting people of what they can and can't do, where, as we talked about, I feel like Alex Bowman's going to have the better shot at going to SHR because if he goes to Gibbs, he will not be racing a sprint car. So if Bowman wants to race a sprint car and seeing it in in a top ride, he's going to go over to SHR. I, I can see I can see Bowman winding up at SHR, but it's not going to be with John Perry replacing. What is very funny about this is, this is no lie, we were at Talladega, we were in the infield experience, uh, we walked up to the fence line as the drivers were coming on to pit road to get into their cars to go qualifying. That's when the drivers come over and they do autographs. Well, we called and called and called and Josh Berry finally walked over with the first thing that I said to Josh Berry was, I hope you're going to announce the SHR contract that you're about to sign. And he just looked at me and did the whole, and me and my son, we laughed about it so hard. If I, I swear, if Josh Berry signs with Stuart Hawes Racing, I'm going to reach out to whoever his damn, and I'm going to be like, what did you feel when I walked up to you at Talladega and said you needed to sign, you needed to announce your signing with Stuart Hawes Racing? Look. Josh Berry's going to Stuart Haas Racing, Tad Taylor. I hate to bust your bubble, but it's a done deal. He's going to replace Kevin Harvick, and not a better opportunity for Stuart Haas Racing to jump back in the bid and being becoming a powerhouse than having the names of uh, Josh Berry, Chase Briscoe, and uh, Ryan Priest, right? With, with of course, Eric Amarola out the door soon as well, so... You know, once again, I, you know, we, we wondered Hendrick's motive when he kicked everybody out and started daddy daycare with Jimmy Johnson at the helm. It's kind of the same situation over at Stuart Haas, but in a few years, in two or three seasons, uh, we can see Stuart Haas at the very top level again uh, with this bold move. I, I, I don't know where you stand, Miss Lee, where, where you think Josh Berry is going. It was announced by Larry Mack that uh, Josh Berry has a cup deal and it will be announced uh, a Memorial Day weekend. I know I've heard a lot of people trying to put the two and two together. That's the same weekend that Dale Jr. announced that he was going to Hendrick Motorsports. So there is some there is some talk that Josh Berry could be a driver at Hendrick Motorsports, but it, I feel like that's highly unlikely. Um, there is no cup champion that uh, that he would be replacing our superstar uh, at at Kendrick Motorsports, even if Alex Bowman, I don't consider Alex Bowman a superstar. So, Miss Lee, where do you stand on this topic? 
Josh Berry two cups. I think it's great for him. Well, what about the uh, decision that uh, Junior Motorsports was going to step up to cup? Wouldn't that be a logical place for him? I mean, you know, like you said, there there is no place for him at Hendrick. At, you know, as much good as he's done for them. But there's also that possibility. That's if Junior Motorsports is really ready to move up. But, yeah, SHR could very well be a logical place for him to end up. Well, it's either that or the 19 and Martin Truex Jr. because I have heard specifically that he is replacing a cup champion. Uh, Alex Bowman is not a cup champion. Uh, Kevin Harvick is and Martin Truex is. We don't know the future of Martin Truex Jr., uh, but, uh, you know, obviously yeah, that I, may be the holdup. That could be the holdup in the contract, of course. It could be JGR. Uh, but I yeah, have a certain information I, I don't that see is him going. Hot. I don't see him going Toyota, though. Yeah. Speaking of going to Toyota, how about the breaking news today? I don't know if y'all seen this coming or not. I, I think that uh, at the beginning of the week, my conversation about Legacy Motorsports would be, what the hell happened? Uh, now it may make it may make a little bit more sense of what the hell has happened. Uh, they This could have been in the works all season long and cut manufacturing support for Chevrolet. Uh, there has been a downgrade in Legacy Motorsports since the name changed, uh, since Jimmy Johnson. Uh, came on board. I think that with Jimmy Johnson's name being at the top of the helm, this is a book. This is a story right out of Tony Stewart's playbook. Holy heck! Like Jimmy Johnson is going to own a field of cars that are racing Toyota engines. Let I know it's just crazy. Oh my God, Tad! What do you what do you feel about this? I mean. I, I think it's awesome. Like, I, I'm glad to see Toyota expanding. I'm glad that they see the writing on the wall that you can't have all the eggs in one basket. I am glad that Eric freaking Jones is coming back home to where he belongs. Now Noah Gregson is too. Jimmy Johnson, though, and Toyota. Me. I would have never Me. guessed it. I would have never guessed Stuart Hawthorne Ford. So, um, yeah, so. please, Taz. So, in terms of the team, if you take away Jimmy Johnson, it actually, I should take away Richard Petty in a sense, too. Um, I feel like outside of those two, I am not, I'm not really surprised, I should say, um, because, as you mentioned, Eric Jones and Noah Gregson have been with Toyota in the past. Um, obviously, Jones with JGR. Um Gregson was with Kyle Busch Motorsports. I don't know if he got Xfinity racing through Toyota. I could be wrong. Um, no, but either way, he was either way he was still with Toyota. So it's not like those two drivers are going. So it's not like those two drivers are going into. Uh, into strange territory. They're going to go back to familiar territory. 
I do feel like where the shocking part is in, is in Jimmy Johnson and if Petty still has any sort of ownership stake in the team. Um, he does not have any ownership shot. in the team at all. Okay. It's already been disclosed. But, but he okay. is a figurehead at the, at the race shop. But this is typical yeah, so I feel for, like, this is typical of Richard Petty though. This is this is typical Richard Petty move. This is what Petty's oh, done throughout is, his entire is, racing career so, and ownership, but he's not an owner of this race team. He is only a figurehead. So now you put it that way, he was with Ford with Almarola before switching to Chevy. So I can see the manufacturer change not be entirely shocking really on the Petty part. But it's mainly in the Jimmy Johnson part because Johnson's always been with Chevy for as long as I know of. Um, right, and that's, I mean, and that's what I found most interesting was Jimmy Johnson oh, wow. jumping shit. I mean, I mean, yeah, with IndyCar with him and Ganassi, they had Honda, but I mean, outside of that, the whole thing just seems sh- shocking to me. Like, um, I will still be. Uh, a supporter of Legacy Motor Club because of Johnson. Um, I'm not going to be one of those people that said, oh, Johnson's going over to Toyota. You know, we're going to hate on Johnson and blah, blah, blah. No. It's kind of like one of those deals where um, if you're a St. Louis Rams fan that moved to L.A., if you're a Rams, if you're a true Rams fan, you're gonna stick with them regardless of where they are. You know, kind of like a relocation. Very good point. Very good point, Taz, because you want to see the success of the organization. And obviously, um, Jimmy Johnson no. knows that that he cannot be a successful operation buying equipment from Hendrick. Hendrick will not allow Jimmy to be as good as Jimmy wants to be within that organization because. Everything that he gets, he has to inherit from who? Jeff Gordon and Rick Hendricks. I'm, I'm there with Jimmy. Paving the path for Legacy Motorsports to be successful. You have two very talented drivers. Two very talented drivers. Eric Jones, Noah Gregson. There's a lot of talent between those two. There is no reason in the world why those two drivers are running 20th and on back, 30th. There's no reason why Noah Gregson finishes last place every damn race. Jimmy Johnson is making a bold move here. He's making a straight, narrow move, and this is going to keep Legacy Motorsports around for a very, very long time. Now, one thing I do want to add in is um, TRD, Toyota Racing Development, um, has made it clear that with Legacy Motor Club heading over into 2024, people have asked if there is going to be any sort of, like, leniency in terms of how much uh, will they give to uh, Gibbs 2311 in Legacy. Um, and people feel like they're going to give, like, 90% of – or I don't really want to say 90. I should say more like uh, 75 you know, percent of stake to Joe Gibbs and then give um, give like 15% to 2311 and then Legacy kind of gets whatever's left over pretty much. Uh, according to what's being told from Toyota um, that's been put out already, Toyota will 
give everybody their each own uh, plate in equal plate. So, like, Gibbs will get 33%, uh, Legacy will get their 33 and Legacy Motor Club will get 33 They're not going to show any strong uh, leniency towards one team over the other because they want to they kind of, they're seeing it as an expansion obviously and right. they want to see Toyota as a whole you know succeed mm-hmm. against these Fords these Chevys and honestly I think with them expanding too this becomes a a head turner in terms of um super speedway races because we always sit here and think um Where's Toyota going to go? Yeah, Toyota's always outnumbered, and they have to play, do we go with the Ford game or the Chevy game? Now they can start playing the balancing game and play their own. I remember when Ford brought in Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, um, of course, Stuart Haas Racing, and, you know, you were like, wow, like Ford really bought into the star power. I see Toyota doing this, and I think that you have to look at what happened with Roush Fenway Racing, an organization that had five race teams, battled for championships every single year. Then they started signing two-year deals with sponsorships, and drivers started leaving. Joe Gibbs Racing right now with the loss of Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr. on the end of his career, Denny Hamlin, obviously a big question mark of whether or not he'll finish out his career at, at JGR or at 2311, all of a sudden, Joe Gibbs Racing doesn't look as solid as what they used to, right? Now there's questioning into the the management of Joe Gibbs Racing with the, with the uh, passing away of Joe Gibbs' second son. Uh, who will carry the organization into the future? Toyota obviously sees that this is an issue and is trying to make right uh, to, you know, protect their investment. We you raised a very good point in the there, year. Chris. You raised a very good point there, Chris. You know, with with Coy's passing, what's gonna happen to Joe Gibbs racing and, and you're right, Toyota has to look at that. And and it's that's a good good thing for them. I'm gonna raise one point though against what Kaz said earlier. If you're a football fan, you're going to follow your team no matter where they go. No. When Art Modell moved the Browns to (laughs) New England and changed them to the Ravens, I quit watching football. Just throwing that out there. Well, I mean, I'm not saying every fan will be like that, but I'm just saying if you like there are, you know, some fans that are like it's hard, hard to, to It's hard I mean, to go from the dog pound to the Ravens, though, Miss Lee. And I can, and and the same way with how the Colts were treated, right? Like most Baltimore Colts fans did not become Indianapolis Colts fans. They were very mad at their state family, and of course, later on, that's right. how Baltimore got their team was they stole it from Cleveland. So um, what goes around right. comes around. And, and that that is the big, that's the big, you know, I think a lot of St. Louis fans did carry on with their team over to L.A. And, I you know, you think about 
the Raiders and what they've had to go through, and they've been in L.A. and they've been in Oakland, and now they're in Los Angeles. I mean, uh, Las Vegas, you've had those, you know, the loyalist Raider fans who are going to carry over. But that situation with Jim Irsay and Art Modell, that 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 was definitely um, that, that that was spiteful. Uh, th- those were situations that that, uh, that definitely happened kind of overnight. Both of those ball clubs were basically stolen and moved, or uh, in the in the dark of the night. <laughs> you you either have you either have the example I use, or you have people that are fans of a certain uh, public figure, I should say, um, like some or race car drivers, or well. Or some people that, see, but um, but that's where well, but the, but that's where I fall is that I am a driver fan, not a brand fan. Right, because yeah. like um, there are people, and I'm a quarterback like, fan, not a team fan. Does that well, make like, any sense, Miss Lee? I'm a I'm a quarterback fan. I'm a yeah, Peyton Manning man. I like Eli Manning. I like all the Mannings, right? And so I'm looking for that type of quarterback as I continue my fanship in, in the NFL. I'm looking for those types. And, of course, I become a Tom Brady fan just because, hell, he stuck around so damn long. I, why not? Man? Why not pull for the guy? I'm kind of feeling that way with LeBron James this year. Um, yeah, there, 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 there are people that um, in the NBA that are LeBron James fans. They don't have a favorite team. They just go wherever LeBron James ends up. Um, that's like me with baseball. I went to high school with a kid who got drafted um, in 2014 and who was through the MLB system. Made his MLB debut with Toronto last year. Now he's with Houston, now he's with the Houston organization this year. Shoot. So, I mean, I've never really had a favorite baseball team. I'm just kind of float wherever he goes. Yeah, you don't talk to me about LeBron James. You're a Braves fan and you're a Bama fan, and so that those are just something that you're born with. You're you're born out of the womb. They give you Atlanta Braves, 1991 to 1993 <laughs> baseball cap, and they, and and they slap roll tide on your ass when the doctors get you to breathe. I promise you, that's exactly how it is when you're raised up down here in the south. But I don't know about y'all, but that's just how we are down here. You you come out a Braves fan, like I said, they slap the old the old pennant winner baseball cap on your head and they slap real tight on your ass to make you breathe. That's just the way that it is. Everything else is an option. So we don't have any real, like, uh, you know, some, we're right down the line. You're either a Saints fan or you're an Atlanta Falcons fan. You know, you're either, uh, um, uh, I live in the state of Mississippi. There's a lot of state fans, but there's more Alabama fans in in Mississippi than it is state fans. So, you know, Keep things on subject here. Of course, some you know it's just your preference and fandom. Uh, the Jimmy Johnson deal, I think, is a shocker, uh, but no doubt it's a good business move and it will pay off in the end. Kudos to Legacy Motorsports. Let's see that team be the next uh, Stuart Haas or be the next Track House or you know they the Track House kind of changed the whole atmosphere of who can go big and win, right? Because I don't think anybody had Trackhouse on the radar to become a superstar team uh, when when he bought the assets from Chicanassi. But we do have to close this subject because we've got black flags, checker flags to get into, and we are now pressed uh, for time about five minutes over. So for the first black flag, checker flag, 
Christian Rebell stated. Chris Rebell did not hold back when he said NASCAR has gutless engines in the next-gen car. Who's ready to open this one up? I mean, he, I give him a check of flag, right? He's willing to speak up. He's willing to say, hey, these engines don't have any push to them. We're getting nothing out of it. We're all following each other around in circles. Christopher Bell has not really earned the uh, top notch to talk. I think, in my in my opinion, he's still kind of learning. Still, but this is good to hear. This is good to hear from outside of the, the typical Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, the the kind of patriarchs of the sport. Christopher Bell comes out and he says, "These engines are gutless. We need more horsepower." But do we? But do we really need more horsepower, or do we need better handling cars? I mean, very, very interesting questions. I'm kind of feeling like a black flag here, uh, Miss Leah. You're kind of giving me that uh, that you're not sold on that. That uh, there could be something outside the horsepower realm that makes these cars. Because for years, I heard. Turn down the horsepower and you'll get better racing. Turn down the horsepower and you'll get better racing. Wow. But Thomas to the point to where you got to push the pass. You got to push the pass button. I mean, whoa, wait a minute. Push the pass button. So we're going to have to generate uh, hybrid horsepower just to make a pass. And we're going to be limited to how many times we can do that in a race. I mean, you might as well just sit there and watch a freaking IndyCar race. Right. Uh, but, flag, flag, you know, you, I'm going to check or flag it for him bringing it up. But is that really the only problem is my question. You know what? I don't think it is either. I'm, fe- I'm okay. feeding. I, I give the checker flag to him bringing it up. I'm going to give the black flag to the horsepower deal. And I know this is where... Um, I'm going to bring in a the whole Dale Jr. download interview with Tony Stewart. They're talking about SRX, the whole idea. Tony Stewart sat there and said, IROC was a great thing, but the only issue that, you know, some drivers had was, you know, after so long in a race, your car, you know, starts to feel different and you don't like it. And so that's where Tony Stewart came up with the idea of limited adjustments, you know, and so, so is horsepower really the issue? I personally feel like handling is the issue. And if you can drive a car and if you can drive a car um, to your sort of handling that you can handle it at whatever horsepower you got, I feel like that makes you the driver. We eliminate arrow, right? Everybody's on the same arrow package. There's no, there's no arrow. The bodies are all the same. The cars are all identical. There is no arrow advantage, or at least not a legal arrow advantage. I'm sure that they're still tinkering on things, uh, trying to find that extra little grip. But that's going to mean something, and it's going to mean a lot. Handling, tire fall off, right? Isn't all this connected to the tires? If we had better tire fall off, if we had more slipping and sliding, 
isn't that what isn't that what we need? But I, I mean, to hear Christopher Bell say that the engines are gutless, that is a strong word, guys. Gutless. Imagine finding out that your product was reviewed as gutless, and then you tell me how you should feel in that situation. If you created a product and the consumer or the uh, salesman called it gutless, where would that leave you? I, th- I think you would be devastated. It's a strong word. I just wanted to make that point. It's a very strong word. Gutless means that that engine has nothing, has no horsepower. So he gets he gets he gets into a uh, what is it? Four sixty. What's the sprint cars? What are they? Four sixties or something. Anyway, three, he gets into a four, sprint car. Four, the ten, hold on. You got four ten and three sixty. Yeah, four ten. Okay. So he gets into a 410 sprint car, and he nails the gas, and his ass goes. <laughs> you know, you're talking to a kid who, who, who gets into that, right? So he's telling you that this engine doesn't have that, that it's, that it's basically it's powerless. So you can stand on the throttle all you want to, and it's just, it's just not going to do anything. That's, you know, we're supposed to be in the upper salons of racing. So I, I feel that my checkered flag is, Chris Rebella is willing to say this product stinks and he is not a patriarch of the sport. So that shouldn't set off alarm bells by the word and the terminology that Christopher Bell used. That should set off alarm bells that NASCAR has got to come up with something to fix this problem, whether it be handling, whether it be tires, or whether it be within the engine department. Something has got to give because it is leaving customers unhappy. Let's go to the next black flag. Check a flag, and I think this one's going to have a little bit more fun with it. Ross Chastain will be carrying the Daryl Jarrett UPS tribute scheme at Darlington. And yes, UPS is going to be on the car, along with Carson Hostovar, who's going to be racing a truck with the UPS uh, uh, emblem on the side as well. I feel like this is kind of a return, right? FedEx may be leaving the sport, so that leaves a hole, a void, right? Here comes UPS. I'm checkered flag all the way. I've always been a big Bill Jared fan. Uh, UPS, uh, you know, they they were the they were the the shit in the heyday, right? Uh, the big brown truck, everybody wanted to race it. Um, this is big, man. This is really big. I love it when a sponsor decides to come back. I'm giving a big-ass checker flag, probably the biggest checker flag I can give all year. I'm excited. I can't wait to see UPS back on a car, back in the sport of NASCAR. Todd Taylor, what are you, what, what, where, where are you at? Black flag, checker flag. I know, I know um, what this one is. It's got to be. I'm checker flag on this one because, you know, Dale Jarrett was my first favorite driver when I got into NASCAR. Not Dale Earnhardt, not Jeff Gordon. Dale Jarrett was it. So I give this one a checker flag, and uh, yeah. I am a big – I'm giving it a big checker flag because I'm glad to see UPS come back. We haven't seen them in, in racing for a while, so it's a good thing. 
Always glad to see a sponsor come back. Every time we see that Tide car out there, it always is a feel-good story. Every time we see that STP car out there, it makes us feel good. And I think the drivers are really starting to understand now that through these through these last few years, the last 10 years of the culture of NASCAR changing and the cars not being identifiable, I think Denny Hamlin made a good, uh, a good comment about uh, he makes sure that he races his FedEx car at, at, at Super Speedway track so that when they see that purple car, they know who the hell that is. And that brings up an interesting point uh, about how NASCAR has pulled away from the identity of these race cars. And, and just UPS coming back to the sport uh, sends it right back into that because you know when you see that brown race car that that's UPS. All right, NASCAR looking at streaming options in the next media deal. Fox, NBC expected to renew TV rights. So what I'm hearing with this is there could be some mid-season races being added to a streaming service. Now, wouldn't that be great if the streaming service was to bring in a little bit of extra money to put together the, uh, uh, basically the uh, Denny Hamlin uh, 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 bracket racing style deal and so it would be in the middle of the year when you would have both Fox and then NBC taking over uh, with that midsummer classic kind of poked right there in the middle of it Yeah, once again I mean I'm all for checker flags and I'm all for black flags when needed but I think NASCAR is going in the right direction here by expanding their availability Two other forms of uh, of networks outside of your mega uh, cable company and satellite company. Is it just going to make it harder to find it, Taylor? Because I mean, there's a yeah, Miss Lee, please. That 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 is my issue. Are they just going to make races harder to find? You know, we seen. The last time how races got distributed across the NBC network during the Olympics. And, you know, I'm sorry. I don't pay for cable. I do pay for some streaming services. But it, if it's not where I can find it, where, what, do, what do I do? What does the average NASCAR fan do? They cannot afford all of these cable networks and streaming services. And I know that the ratings belie it, but there are a lot of NASCAR fans that are shut out. Right. So... So if and you were and it's also turning Hulu, people away. Right. right. If you knew you could find your rates on Hulu and didn't have to go find it on Fox's 17 networks or NBC's 17 networks, would you go? Would you be quicker to just to go to Hulu to watch NASCAR? Uh, depending on the Obviously. cost, maybe. Right. right. You know, I mean. It, you know, in this day and age, that is something that that NASCAR needs to consider as well. 
what is it going to cost the average NASCAR fan to be able to watch a race? I pay way more money than I can actually afford to have access to the networks that that NASCAR is on right now. Wouldn't that be and, amazing if they utilized toy racing like that? If we weren't talking about a Hulu or something, we were actually talking about a foot racing, you know, being that right. place to where you could go and watch the race at all times. I mean, you're already paying the subscription, so of course, right? I mean, that's that's where you would want to be able to find a place like that. Not necessarily a Hulu or an Amazon, but I feel like NASCAR is going to go more in the direction of NFL and try to get Amazon or Hulu into the, into the mix here and not something that's going to be more typical of like flow racing or even Peacock, which is offered with most Xfinity networks. Um, of course, Xfinity is owned by NBC. So, um, all right. Well, Taz, did, did you get a black flag or a checkered flag? We got to go. Um, I'm, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this a white flag. Not a, oh, not a black flag, but not a checker flag. I'm throwing a white flag. You don't know why? Because I'm. You want to see? I'm not. I'm not sure because I see Miss Miss Lee's point of that, but at the same time, I'm seeing it as how can we universally make this work without? Because I mean, with like say with like a series, like a series for instance, I'll use short track super series. They they put all their series races on Flow Racing, right? You have the Super Dirt Car Series. They're on Dirt Vision. World of Outlaws on Dirt Vision. Um, the All Star Sprint Car Series. They're on Flow Racing. NASCAR. You got Fox, NBC. Now, if you add more to it, you're kind of like, okay, which week are we? You know, on it, it kind of gets confusing, you know. And, yes, it is confusing because look at ARCA racing. ARCA is mainly on flow, but some races are on Fox Sports. You know, so it it is. It's very confusing as a fan. Especially when you have Fox and Fox Sports 1, then you have NBC, NBC Sports. (laughs) I mean, it's already confusing enough as it is. All right, let's get to the last one. RFK Racing steady forward progression. Continue this past weekend with both cars inside the top ten for the second consecutive race. Things look to be on the up and up. I'm all for that. Uh, I have been four for four. Check your flag. Four for four to RFK. Checkers. I really like the direction that they're headed in. Checkers. Checkers. And Ms. Lee. Checkers. You know, it's, it's what you want to see. You want, you know, you have a big name driver like Ted Lowski, bought into a team. You got to understand that's the direction that Jimmy Johnson's trying to go to. This all makes perfect sense in making these sub teams stronger. Um, and, and once again, I say that it's it's in favor of what Trackhouse has been able to prove uh, with their uh, good runs and you know an organization that's been completely revamped and redone. Uh, it's definitely the, um, what is it, uh, the, the copy. People are going to try to copy what, what Trackhouse has been able to accomplish. 
All right. We are headed to Kansas this next week. Uh, Kansas, of course, this was uh, Kurt Busch won here last year. He's not going to be able to defend that race title. Uh, but, uh, you know, in the fall race, I believe Bubba Wallace won here in the 45. So, 2311 right. definitely so, has Chris, this race you, circled. You were jumping you're jumping my gun here, so I'll get back to that point in a minute. Let's get down to what I have first before we add on. So, for my favorites here at Kansas, I have Kevin Harvick, Martin Tricks Jr., Denny Hamlin. Contenders, I, some people may find this shocking, but I can back it up. Joey Logano, I have a contender. Brad Keselowski, a contender. Ryan Blaney, a contender. Underdogs, Chris Buescher, um, Eric Almarola and Eric Jones are the underdogs I have listed. Now, we can make a strong case for Bubba Wallace and um, Tyler Reddick to go at least, or at most, depending on which driver you're talking about, um, being on the contenders list. Because last year, yes, you mentioned, Chris, 2311 won, but which car Specifically, are we talking about? It's the 45. The 45 car won both Kansas races last year. Yes. Yes, they did. So well, two different I, drivers, of course, Kurt Busch uh, and, then, and then Bubba Wallace, who switched over to the 45 car because of points. Uh, championships implications and stuff. So um, that is how both drivers were in the 45 car and won at Kansas. Of course, uh, that means Toyota's run pretty good here, right? Taz, uh, typically the JGR cars are strong here. As the reason why you're putting Martin Truex and Denny Hamlin in the favorites. Uh, Yes, Truex has won here twice and Denny Hamlin's won here three times. Uh, Truex, 16 top 10s, or 16 top 10s, 10 top 5s, uh, Hamlin, uh, 11 top 5s, 12 top 10s, so I mean, they show their um, other drivers that are up there in terms of average finish, uh, Christopher Bell, 4 top 10s and 6 starts, 2 top 5s, um, trying to see what else. In terms of average finish, who else is also up there? I mean, really, the only two Chevy drivers, until you get into, like, the contender part of the list, are Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson. Uh, you can also throw, so, I mean, you can also throw Kyle Busch, too. I mean, now that he's a Chevy driver, but, um, yeah. Any right, and the mile and a half programs have been more favored towards the RCR camp than they have necessarily the Hendrick camp, right? We've seen a strong outing out of Trackhouse and RCR at these mile and a half speedways, where you know typically, I mean Kyle Larson and of course you know Hendrick Motorsports runs good as well here, but this is kind of a this is kind of a strong point for these other teams as well. So. I feel like I'll throw in Reddick and Bubba as contenders if you guys are in agreement 
or if you want to argue those two should be going somewhere else. I feel like contenders could probably be as far as they go. I don't want to list them as favorites because there are, there are arguments we can put somebody else in the favorite part. Isn't this one of uh, Bubba's rain-shortened wins? No. Okay. No, this is about right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not willing to put Bubba in favorites at all. Um, Tyler Reddick, he already has a win this year. Um, I, I think 23-11 has this race circled on their calendar. Uh, so I would in Reddick probably Reddick have I would I would probably have Reddick uh, maybe on the favorite list just because the 45 car seems to have something figured out here. Um, of course, that data is easily transferable to any other JGR car, and I think that we're selling ourselves short. We know who the three hottest drivers in NASCAR are right now. It's Christopher Bell, William Byron, and Ross Chastain. So if you don't have those three on your top of your uh, favorite list, then I'm not sure it's legit. And where do we throw... A.J. Allmendinger. I would put him as oh, underdog at this point. Yeah, I think Ricky Stenhouse probably would have him beat at this at this type of track, just by, based off of what we've seen so far with the college racing mile and a half speedway program. But Ricky Stott, the, the JTG uh, camp definitely has uh, a better role on the mile and a half. And I just don't know whether or not that has something to do with Hendrick or RCR or wherever. I don't know. I know that there's a split between the Chevy camps, but it's the mile and a half speedways is really where Ross Chastain and those teams like Kyle Busch, they, they, I mean, they show up very well. I mean, it's just, you know, um, I, I, I'm torn this week. I really want to see who the, who the favorites are. I, and I think you could take any of the top 16 contenders right now and place them somewhere on this list. Well, right now I have I added Byron to the favorites, Bubba to the contenders, Stinger for the underdogs. Reddick's still floating, as we mentioned him, with the 45. Chris, I'm, I said contenders. Chris mentioned favorites. I can see that go either way. Um, I know one driver who has old one. old versus the new. Now, we do have one driver. I know we're not big fans of him, but he does have an average finish of 11.2. He may have only one win here, but it's Hendrick and NASCAR's favorite son. Um, I don't see why we couldn't add him to the favorites deal because, I mean, I there's stats to prove it otherwise, but. Well, Kyle Larson or Chase? I'm talking about Chase. I don't think I don't think Chase has the grit right now. He's he's hurt. Like that, it's literally that's in his mind. He's hurt, and so we're not seeing the same race car driver out of Chase uh, that we did uh, over the last several years. We're seeing a different Chase now. He's hurt in a race wanna... car. He's trying to, and he doesn't necessarily have the same grit that his father had. He's been pretty well privileged throughout his life. So this is taking a toll 
own Chase Elliott. It's hard to put him in a favorite in any category until we see that Chase Elliott that we know from the last couple of years show back up at the racetrack. Right now, I don't think his confidence is there. Now, Kyle Larson, ah, sure. You, you can you can tally him in anywhere you want to. I I agree about Chase. I, I I'm not sure his confidence is back up there yet. There yet. All right. So being that uh, we're basically chopping at time, where can we throw Reddick, Bell, and Chastain on this list? Obviously, they're too good for underdogs. Um, I can easily throw Briscoe as an underdog in that mix. Um, it's interesting yeah, we, that we have the old guard versus the new guard. Because I can literally tell you right now that Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., and Kyle Larson, those are guys that we should be watching, right? But then on the other hand, you've got William Byron, Christopher Bell, and Ross Chastain that are packing the punch. So those are six drivers right there that that very well. Huh? Who? Just what? Mama's throwing up. Okay. Um. I I, I think I gotta go, guys. I'll sell it out amongst yourself, and uh, I'm going to put it on me. I've got to go spend my life. Something's going on. All right. So where do we feel on this one? I can I can throw Ross. I want to say contender because I just feel like um, something's going to come back to bite him last, for last week at Dover. And Bell – Bell and Reddick, I can go either or. Where do you feel? I agree with Chastain as a contender. I think Reddick and Bell both could be underdogs, though. Really? Yeah. Why argue with me? Um, I'm... Um, I can put Reddick as a contender. I wouldn't say underdog, only because um, it seems like 2311, whatever driver they put in that 45 car uh, for Kansas, they've been right there. And it obviously showed with Kurt Busch and Bubba Wallace last year. So I feel like Reddick could be in that same shoe. Okay. I can go with that. And Bell, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have a win, but he's adapted to his next-gen car, as Chris has mentioned. Um, I don't think he's had a bad performance this year, really. And plus, he's finished top 10 in almost every Kansas start. I feel like that should be said to him as a favorite. Yeah. Not just not feeling it, but you know, I could, I am, am wrong often. So, all right. So we'll leave Bell as a as an up in the air. 
I can throw Kyle Larson in there. What do you feel about him as a favorite? I would love to put Larson as a favorite, but he's had so much bad luck that I could only put him as a contender. All right. I think we got a good enough list right here. Um, I guess we got to wrap things up since we're a few minutes over. Please do, Taz. All righty. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening along to Race Chat Live tonight here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the 110 Nation YouTube uh, channel. Uh, Listen to us anytime if you miss us live on any forms of podcasts. Uh, such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Freaker, RSSB, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaven, Podcast Addict, Teaser, Podchaser, and on YouTube. Thank you to our sponsors, uh, Phoenix Fitness, Bear Bowl, Market Talk Group, Carolina Sports Plus, Yellow Caution Flag Productions, Board of Music, Entertainment, and Karaoke, and TNT Designs. And with that being said, this has been Tuesday Night Race Chat Live. We'll see you Nick. With the caution flag of racing radio, Chris Creighton, the DJ man music, the DJ music man Craig Moore, he'll be back with us next week. Uh, Mother bear of the One Ten Nation, Miss Lee Reed. I'm the Tasmanian Devil Flagger, Ted Taylor. Saying good night. We'll see y'all next week. Thank you all for listening. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.